today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. A historic move and a surprise move in some people's minds. Uh, Finland's Green Party has voted overwhelmingly to adopt a fully pro-nuclear stance at its national meeting. Uh, joining us to talk about this is Dr. Chris Kiefer, uh, president of Canadians for Nuclear Energy. Uh, Dr. Pleasure to have you back on the program. Thanks so much for the time today. Yeah, Bill, thanks for having me on. Did you see this coming? You know what, I, I have a friend who's in the Finnish Green Party, and I've been following them for some time. Um, and this isn't a sudden move. Um, they've always been a pretty rational party, I have to say. For instance, you know, they've long supported their d- deep geologic repository, um, or as most Green Parties around the world, um, I think, like to capitalize on the fact that there isn't a so-called solution for nuclear waste. Um, so not a total surprise, but, you know, I think this is very good news and a positive signal. Um, and I'm really hoping that our, our local, you know, Ontario and Canadian Green Parties will, will follow suit. Uh, and pragmatism, I guess, is the word that came to mind as I started reading this, uh, you know, the, the decision. Uh, and, you know, because as you say, there seems to be a, a theory out there that uh, that you can't have nuclear power if you truly want to get rid of fossil fuels and move to a cleaner environmental economy. And they're saying, yeah, you can. Uh, and they're also being a lot more pragmatic about this because there's a war going on in Ukraine. Uh, and, and, you know, this country relies on Russian oil and gas. And they said, you know, we got to stop that reliance. And this may be part of the, the solution to basically accelerate that move. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, Russia just tried to punish them by cutting off flows of gas yeah. um, <clears throat> since Finland decided to join NATO. Um, so that's that's a good point. I mean, the reason I'm optimistic about this perhaps influencing uh, Canada and the Canadian Green Movement is Finland and Canada are a lot alike. You know, I think we're both vibrant social democracies. We're both, you know, in cold climates where we have to think seriously about heating when it comes to um, our energy transition and climate change policy. Um, and, you know, you mentioned it was an enthusiastic endorsement. I mean, they're also calling for regulatory change to speed up the deployment of small modular reactors, which they see as having a vital role in providing district heating, um, which, you know, in Canada, we mostly heat with natural gas and oil. So this is, you know, very, very important for us. I think it's also important just to stress again that the Finnish Greens are not a marginal party. Um, they're, they control 10% of the seats in the Finnish parliament. For context, the NDP only controls 7% of the Canadian parliament. And they're part of a coalition, a coalition government. So they control the Ministry of the Interior, Foreign Affairs and Environment. So, you know, just to point out that, that this isn't just a party with one or two seats in parliament. This is a, a major party in government. Um, so I think, again, really, really relevant that they've taken this strong stance. Well, and I'm looking at the numbers here, too, and I find this interesting. I, and as you mentioned, uh, about 74% of, of the population uh, back this whole move. They, they see the reality, the pragmatism in doing something like this. But this very strong support with the the younger, almost like the youth Green Party, uh, that, that element of it right now seems, with a couple of exceptions, of course, not unanimous, it never is in politics, but uh, the overwhelming majority of them seem to understand this. So... <laughs> Uh, this seems to me to be a, a, a mix, I guess, you know, young people with their idealism, and, and but at the same time, a certain sense of pragmatism to say, look, at this is actually going to be a tool that we can use to make us better off in, in the future. And it, in the short term, not in the long term, because the short term is all that matters right now with the war going on and the reliance on fossil fuels. Yeah, you have to ask yourself, you know, why is it that in Finland, 74% of people back nuclear energy? 
And Finland is, uh, you know, a real model country. Um, it's a very highly educated country. You know, kindergarten teachers right on up to high school are required to have a master's degree in education, right? So they take education very seriously. Um, it's a it's a very well-functioning country. It's been voted as having the best governance in the world. And so there's really high levels of of trust in its in its you know politics and its institutions. So we're not seeing the same kind of erosion of confidence in science and expertise. And Finland's been, you know, very open to technology. Um, you know, they invented text messaging, they had Nokia. Um, so they're less kind of technophobic. And I think that that's that's true as well um, for the Green Party there. And, you know, this goes even beyond you mentioned the youth. This goes beyond just the Green Party. So, you know, Greta Thunberg, um, the youth climate activist that's become so iconic and founded, you know, the Friday uh, for Futures climate strike. Um, you know, that's turned into a global movement. But the Finnish Fridays for Future um, movement actually criticized Greta um, for issuing an anti-nuclear statement um, about nuclear's inclusion in um, in the EU green finance taxonomy. So I think it's a really interesting country. Um, you know, this isn't uh, coming out of a country which is, uh, you know, I, I think it's really a model country in terms of, again, being so well educated. Um, and again, the more you know about nuclear energy, the more you end up liking it is, is my experience. So I think that, this- that goes a long way to explain, you know, this, what sounds like a bizarre phenomenon. I, I guess the question a lot of us are going to have right now, though, Chris, is what are the global ramifications? Is this going to uh, wake other people up to say, hey, maybe maybe these guys are onto something? You know, I think it's just been so unanimous um, within the green movement that, you know, nuclear is a bogeyman that, you know, the moment there is a little chink in that armor, um, it opens up room for discussion. And I will say, you know, something that's really impressive about the green movement and green politics in general um, is that there's a lot of, uh, you know, direct democracy. A lot of policy works its way up from the bottom rather than being imposed from the top. Um, and there are, I'm, you know, I'm in touch with a number of Green Party members within Canada that are fighting for, you know, that kind of a change here. So I think that, you know, this decision by the Finnish Greens is going to lend them some, some you know, wind in their sails, uh, for lack of a better word, um, to help with those efforts. You know, and this is so relevant here in Ontario. I mean, we're having an election right now. Mike Schreiner, the leader of the Green Party, is driving around in a nuclear-powered um, battery electric vehicle uh, because, you know, our grid is, is you know, about two-thirds nuclear. And an issue that's not being discussed in this election is um, the Pickering nuclear power plant, um, mm-hmm. which is ske- scheduled to close in 2025 if we don't refurbish it. And, you know, just like we're doing with the Bruce and Darlington reactors, we could refurbish Pickering um, and keep that amazing contribution to our clean and low carbon energy going for another 30 or 40 years. If we don't do that, we're going to see a massive increase of gas burning on our grid. It's going to be the equivalent of every other Ontarian, 50% of Ontarians taking a transatlantic flight every year in terms of the way our emissions are going to grow up. Um, and, you know, historically, Mike Schreiner um, has opposed the life extension of Pickering, which, you know, continued the operations of Pickering from 2018 to 2025. Um, and that's been incredibly significant um, for for Canada's climate emissions and for Ontario in particular. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping this, you know, becomes a bit more of an election issue or something that we discuss more because, you know, that is the closing of Pickering is the true threat to to Ontario in terms of our air quality and our climate goals. 
Well, especially because, you know, the discussion in this province has circled around uh, air quality, certainly, and, and the pressure that's going to be on the grid. And there was a lot of discussion. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I think congratulations in order to the government of the day when they finally shut down the coal operations here. Uh, but that was done on the premise that, okay, we had other forms to rely on. And nuclear power was, was very much a part of the discussion. Why, why have we kind of shoved it to the back burner? Well, I think it's, you know, a lot of people don't know about this, but, you know, what you were mentioning there on the Ontario coal phase out, that was 90% powered by nuclear energy, right? And and that was yeah. North America's greatest greenhouse gas reduction. And as you were mentioning, the clean air impacts were huge. We went from 53 smog days a year in Toronto down to basically zero. We maybe had one or two um, since we completed that phase out. <clears throat> so, you know, that's because of this historic investment. And people say, oh, nuclear is expensive. Well, <clears throat> you know, there's an initial upfront capital cost, but this is a long-term investment, which actually locks in cheap power. Nuclear is the second cheapest source of power on the Ontario grid. It's actually, um, you know, one-fifth uh, as expensive as solar energy on our grid. Um, so I think, you know, the Green Party that thinks a lot about the future, about our children and our children's children should really be thinking about these long term stable investments, which lock in um, the ability um, to be a world leader in terms of our, our low carbon electricity. And again, that's a threat um, with the closure of Pickering. So I'm hoping that, you know, our local Green Party can follow the example of the Finns, pay a lot more attention to science and and the experts on this issue and come to a more evidence based solution, not one that's just based on you know, environmentalist sloganeering. Well, I'd like to expand that and, and hope anyway that somebody with some level of expertise in, in the other political parties in this country uh, would, would, would understand the, the importance of a decision like this too and, and start to incorporate this. Uh, you know, and I, I got a lot of respect for Mike Schreiner here in Ontario. I think he's, he's done a wonderful job and he's dedicated to the cause of, of environmental safety for all of us. Uh, but He's, you know, he's going to introduce private members' bills. I mean, that's going to be it. But you'd like somebody in government to understand the importance of this. And like I say, they used to. And, and you know, your point's well taken. I mean, the whole thing about getting rid of coal was premised on the fact that, okay, we've got a backup here. This is going to make it happen. Uh, if we don't refurbish Pickering, where's that leave us? It leaves us burning a lot of natural gas. And, you know, gas is getting really expensive as well. Um, it's quadrupled in price um, since uh, since it bottomed out after the fracking revolution. You know, the decision to not refurbish Pickering was made in that context. Gas was cool. It was okay to, you know, it was better than coal. And actually, you know, our own Ontario Clean Air Alliance that was very involved in lobbying for the coal phase out, they're also very anti-nuclear. They were they were lobbying for gas to be the replacement fuel. So, I mean, thank God we didn't pay attention to that particular environmental NGO um, and use nuclear instead. Um, but yeah, the consequences of closing this plant are, are massive, again, for climate, for clean air, also for jobs. There's 7,600 direct and indirect jobs related to the Pickering Nuclear Power Station. You know, we were rightfully, you know, shocked when there was plans to close the Oshawa auto manufacturing plant. I mean, we need to have a similar level of concern um, about what's going on with Pickering. So, you know, it's it's obvious that for climate, for clean air, for good jobs, we, we need to refurbish Pickering, um, you know, but also, um, you know, it, it's, it's just going to be a cost thing because the amount of gas we're going to need to burn to replace Pickering is is just astounding. And that gas is, is getting pricey. So I think, you know, very infrequently our decisions made, um, as much as there's a lot of talk about climate, 
on the basis of climate, but, you know, for economic reasons with gas getting so expensive and also, you know, we're moving towards electrifying a lot of processes. Ontario's scheduled to have actually a shortfall of electricity as soon as 2030. So we really can't can't afford to be shutting down anything. We need to do what we've done at Arlington and Bruce and refurbish Pickering. And a lot of us lived through those in the past. I don't want to go back to those days. Uh, Chris, that's our time, unfortunately, but uh, at least we're going to get the discussion going on this. Thanks so much for the time today. Yeah, a pleasure, Bill. Thanks for having me on. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.